Hey folks, it's Rick Wilson, and welcome to The Enemies List. My guest today is Harry Lippman. Harry is a constitutional lawyer, a former prosecutor, a all-around smart guy when it comes to understanding and peeling back the real legal implications of the things that are going on in this country, whether it's on the micro or the macro level. You've seen him on MSNBC. You've heard him on the very smart and very popular Talking Feds podcast, of which I am an occasional guest. And so I'm delighted to welcome Harry Lippman to the enemies list. There was also maintained what was called an enemies list. Democrats want Republicans dead. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody. The women with the least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having abortions. On January 6th of 2021, you had tens of thousands of people peacefully protesting. You're the president of the United States. You can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified. It's not a right-wing conspiracy theory. It's not QAnon. It's real. <laughs> I'm Rick Wilson, and this is The Enemies List. So, Harry Lippman, thank you so much for joining me on The Enemies List podcast. I am delighted you are with us today, and I really appreciate your time. Man, I am honored to be here. A new podcast from Rick Wilson. What the, the Rick Wilson is what the world needs just about now. I that's so, that's my thought on so the that's my me. modest thought on the matter too, Harry. <laughs> do, you, do you have is there is there a song or anything for the podcast? You know, we don't. I don't think we have a song graphic? yet, but it's it's probably going to be some sort yeah. of like medieval Catholic dirge when I get to it. <laughs> Exactly. Very dissonant. So, Harry, you are one of the absolutely best informed folks about the various legal jeopardy Trump finds himself in right now. And since I was away for the Thanksgiving week when the announcement of Jack Smith was made, first off, let's get to the special counsel question first, because you're very smart about these things and help our audience understand why the DOJ made that decision, what this means for Trump, what kind of person that the, the, Jack, the Jack Smith is, and where you see this headed in the next few weeks. All right. So why they made the decision, I think, is not such a big mystery. We've had reports they'd been thinking about it, but it's Merrick Garland's absolute axiom. We can try anyone. We are impartial. You know, this comes up with Hunter Biden. The game changer was Trump's entry into the race. Now, there. this is actually, right. this isn't just... Um, Garland saying, you know, what makes sense to him or or his internal sense of fairness. There's law here. And for Garland, that's everything. There's a regulation. And it says if there's a conflict of interest or other extraordinary circumstances, that's part one. And the public interest, uh, it's in the public interest to do it. That's two. Garland took that text as he's done, you know, all his life and held it up against the facts. And look, He's now the presidential candidate. They take him down. It's going to help his boss, Garland's boss. It could it helps Garden indirectly. That's yep. either a uh, conflict of interest or extraordinary circumstances. No way around it. Now he also had to find it was in the public interest, and there I think he took into account all the things we've been talking about that are, you know, nipping at the edges of this issue, but um, what you're wondering how they factor in, like, you know, 
the fact that he's a former president, accountability, the you know public confidence, etc. So all of that led him pretty much in short order, right? A couple of days after the uh, announcement to to say we need a special counsel. Who is Jack Smith? He's a guy I've confirmed is never been in the same room with Merrick Garland. So the immediate, you know, out of the box, oh, Jack Smith and his buddies was, you know, all, was a, right. was a complete um, lie. But um, he's Snare, been right, yep. he's a guy. First of all, a special counsel has to come from outside the department. That's part of the reg. And Smith mm-hmm. was outside the department. By now, he's been everywhere in the criminal justice system, starting from state DA, long trip in DOJ, including at, uh, you know, local office where he was U.S. attorney, head of public integrity, and now over in The Hague. So first, deeply experienced. Second, deeply nonpartisan, right? Not a, not a name anyone's ever heard of. Probably a Republican, but at a minimum, a uh, registered uh, independent. So not not like mm-hmm. a Bob Mueller type, somebody people w- couldn't point to and try to paint in any way at all, including about, you know, what country club they belong to in Washington. And then finally, <laughs> a guy with a reputation as a really aggressive uh, prosecutor. There are more or less aggressive prosecutors. It's a matter of personal style and DOJ. He is a hard charger. He's not the first guy. You you never want to be prosecuted by DOJ, but if you are and you choose your prosecutor, it wouldn't be him. All right. So what's it mean for the case? <clears throat> Look, I mean, it's funny that right out of the box, Trump and the whole Republican um, conference came out and said, oh, this shows the corruption and politicization of the uh, department. I think that fact just shows how, you know, um, <laughs> or this is this is designed to put in more accountability and and public confidence. You could say it won't work because things are so polarized, but to actually say this is a showing that they, you know, it's another shot for him to to uh, escape uh, prosecution. So on paper, it can only be good or neutral. And, you know, the idea it shows that there's nothing uh, that's going to happen in the next two years, including Merrick Garland, you know, changing the carpet in his office that the uh, that Jim Jordan and company won't say shows uh, corruption. But look, see, he's inheriting just to to very quickly. He's inheriting a case that is 90 percent of the way people want to indict. He's it strikes me as someone who is likely to be leaning in that direction anyway. So what does it mean? I think it means it's pretty damn likely that Merrick Garland receives a recommendation from Jack Smith within a couple months to bring charges in Mar-a-Lago. We should talk whole separately about what it means for January 6th, but to bring charges in Mar-a-Lago, right. that still leaves it as it would have been before to Merrick Garland to decide, but it does put wind in the sails of prosecution. It would be more extraordinary for Garland to appoint the special counsel and say no, not out of the question, but, right. but it's so all in all, I think it does set things up in a way that, you know, it's coming at Trump like a freight train. And, and so you said the magic words, I think that a lot of people have, you know, when they look at this, there's a theory of the case. And certainly one thing I believe is that he got into the presidential race in order to sort of forestall these, these prosecutions. Um, 
but you said within a couple of months. And I think that's one thing that people need to understand is that this guy has a reputation for not sitting around and, uh, and shuffling index cards. He seems to be a guy who, who goes at it and, and sets out to do something in year in, in weeks, not months and months, not years. Yeah. And even more importantly, he's coming into, this is, this is unique as far as I can tell for special counsels, they come in, they get their staff, they start, you know, looking at serving subpoenas. This is a case that's 90% of the way. And I say that for not, not just raw speculation, there are certain moves they, the prosecutors have made, especially that they've put Cash Patel in the grand jury that real uh, that mm. really have the smell of com- of honing in on, on a prosecutorial decision. And the one thing we know, I mean, Garland charged him, and and Smith asserted outright, "I will not let the pace of this." flag because that was one that was one of the public interest issues does this mean shit even more delay etc garland said no smith says no so yes he's that kind of guy but more importantly all he has to do is not put the brakes on an already fast moving vehicle and and the two months that I say and others have said, it's just the overall feel of how long things have been going, the complexity and, uh, of the of the case, right. and you know what what the end game would look like before a charge. Support for Rick Wilson's The Enemies List comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software, or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash Wilson. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash Wilson. Odoo. Modern management made simple. You know, Harry, I was, uh, you know, you mentioned that what we just talked about was Jack Smith and and Mar-a-Lago. Um, and I know that there's a one six overhang here as well, but one thing I just, uh, I wanted to talk to you about is for about a year and a half, a little more than that, we've been told over and over again, how could one six have been an insurrection if no one's been charged with seditious conspiracy? Oh, wait. Now uh, they uh, have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a big victory for DOJ. That's for starters. People said, well, they've got some acquittals and you know, the, the, what, what they did was establish as a legal matter that it was seditious conspiracy, but it's more than that. The jury right. system, it's our, you know, it's as close as we get. It's the jewel. It's the, uh, ju- you know, crown jewels for deciding social disputes. The real fact of the matter to me now, mm-hmm. as of today, who, you know, whoever you want to name, Marjorie, Taylor Greene, any of those guys who are out there trying to ply the narrative of, oh, you know, political uh, protest got a little out of hand or uh, even more patriots that I would pardon. (laughs) They're now swimming against the current of, of a social determination. I think like now, the you know this is going to be in the history books in high schools in twenty years and this trial will trial will be it's something it doesn't shut up everybody of course but it makes it's as close as we can get to a sort of you know official imprimatur guess what guys everything we all saw with our own eyes we've put a name on it it is a serious name happened you know a handful of times at most right. in the history of the department this was not political protest not spine this was a concerted attempt 
to bring down a government function with with force, weapons, paratry, you know, everything. Violence, right. And this is this is a verdict now, not simply of the legal system, but I think of society or close to it or, you know, two thirds of the way. In that sense, it's like, you know, we've had op-ed writers and and pundits and, you know, political leaders. This trial serves a really big, I think, you know, the, the weeks will tell. I wonder if you agree, but a big social and political function, even bigger than legal. Right. I think it gives people who aren't on the MAGA edge yeah. the ability to say, wait, no, you're wrong. A jury yeah. found these guys guilty. These they guys were really careful, jar- meticulous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a, it wasn't something that was rushed or hurried. It was a very and and from what I'm not, not a lawyer, famously not a lawyer, but even the ca- yeah. stuff I read from the case. It was not something they didn't overreach in this. They used a fairly, you know, minimal approach that these are the facts. Here's what happened. Here's what you said, did, and, and, and planned. Here are the paper trails. And you know, I don't think Stuart Rhodes had much of a real defense in this whole thing. I, I don't think the guy had had a had any real traction. He had what he. There's two defenses you see in these cases, and it's the reason why they, they, it's a hard charge to bring. Last last successful one, 1995, and they, you know, they, it's it. There was some debate in the department, but they, it's two things that happen. One, they try to say political protest, First Amendment. That doesn't cut it against insurrection, but that's one. The second right. is where he went. Uh, you know, puffery, over just, just kind of overblown, right? Adolescent talking, <laughs> yeah, exactly, shit talking defense, and um, that's you know, that's where we are. That's what the jury definitively um rejected, and I do, I agree with you. You know, look, the there's thirty percent he'll never go that way, but even they right. seem to be waning somewhat. It it does feel to me. You know, we've said it before. We've been wrong before. We've been outraged before. Many times. But it does feel like some honest period of, even as Trump continues to, you know, be he's a real political force. I don't want to say otherwise, but there's a a process of social accountability and legal accountability that I think is happening. And it puts the jerks and and really you know nuts and and monsters uh you know in the that that include a lot of you know people in the republican party it 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 just makes them look like you know like guys who are just saying crazy stuff on a bus or whatever come on that's been settled it was a seditious conspiracy let's cut the crap now that's what happened you can uh, you can talk about you know, our, how you'll see things going forward, how much you're going to be election deniers, et cetera. But can we cut the crap and now all understand it was an existential threat to our democracy, not a, not a little protest out of hand. And if you don't see it that way, you are not a serious thinker or politician in this country. Right. Full stop. I mean, the, the one line in the, in, the, in the course of the case where they quoted him as saying, we should have brought more guns. That, I mean, so right, that, so that to me, that to me, I think that to me was the was the moment where where the malicious nature of this guy and the evil of this guy and the intentionality of what he was doing was was suddenly 
you know, you can't spin that one away. That's not, that's not something you can just go, oh, that was just BS. And it was, that's what the DOJ does. That's an encrypted communication. He thought Mm -hmm. no one would ever hear it. It was fallen in short order by, if I were there, I would have hanged Pelosi myself. And that's right. That's, that's what, that's what a search for truth is about. We get, you know, special tools from the law to decode this shit. We show it to a jury. They decide what happened. And you're right. What are you going to say? These And this is after, no less. When he's still, by the way, telling Trump to, you know, call out the, the military. Right, the, this was to, not... The Insurrection Act and, right. and all the other... Yeah. This, this I mean, was not just, little fun and games for, you know, Boy Scouts. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So Stuart Rhodes is clearly one of the leaders of the foot soldiers that hit the Capitol that day in this conspiracy. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. There are still a lot of other people, a lot of moving parts. What what do you think is the state of play with the people that were in the Willard that day, the Steve Bannons, the Roger Stone, all that various other group with John Eastman, all these other people that were trying to pull this together from, from, the, from the one end of the spectrum where Rhodes and his, his cronies would use violence to the legal end of the spectrum where they thought through these ludicrous arguments they could overthrow the election. There seems to got to be, there's got to be some kind of nexus in here because these things don't just emerge in, into, a, into a one hotel suite in the Willard you know, out of the blue? It's a great question. And it's the next question. Well, the immediate question is there's another, there's another seditious conspiracy trial for Oath Keepers and one for Proud Boys. Those guys got to be really looking hard at, do they plead? Do they try to cooperate? But you're right, because this has always been, and I think the trial makes it clear that DOJ is thinking in these terms, a huge um, event involving up to our political leaders and even the best case scenario for Trump is he's the orchestrator, the inspirer. Mm -hmm. Rhodes testifies, I come forward because the president told me. But conspiracy, unlawful agreement. And it's considered more serious in the law, by the way. The other three were convicted of messing with the uh, actual events of Jan- the the proceeding right, of right, January right. 6th, but conspiracy is really serious. It's the planning, the money, the guns, the really try to do it. Well, conspiracy means unlawful agreement, and and anyone who joins it is guilty. That means potentially somebody like Trump, Meadows, etc., but they weren't dealing a lot with Rhodes, so it's always been the case, to, and it's always seemed to me important there's a bridge conspiracy here. Right. If it goes all the way to Trump, and by the way, even if it doesn't, it's important. There are these nether actors. They're not elected officials, right. but they, you know, the Roger Stone types, Rudy Giuliani, Rudy, right. and and all, and they are the Willard Room, and they're the next step. Roger Stone is in. There, there is a, um, a a signal group called friends of Roger that are, uh, tweet are you know, signaling right. and doing messages all that day. And stone is telling him to move, etc. This isn't just, Oh, he's, you know, somewhat involved. Conspiracy is you agree to do something unlawful here. Mm-hmm. 
uh, uh, prevent the um, proceeding from going forward, and you take an overt act. Rhodes, it might be training people and giving him orders. Stone is potentially guilty, in other words, as are all these people of the same conspiracy, which we now know as of November 30th, 2022, is a serious attempt at insurrection and sedition. So legally and I think socially, that's where this has to go through uh, and it has to go to and it has to go through to arrive at, you know, everything in from, you know, on the ellipse uh, Mm -hmm. and and, uh, you know, all of Trump's actions and even more broadly there because January 7th, January 6th, the um, series of cases that Smith now oversees. It's not just this final, you know, uh, lock and load order. It's all the uh, crazy ass um, different schemes right. that Trump was doing that the January 6th committee has shown. So, Th- and all one the, more point, stuff from which, Eastman which is, the, right. And it all looks different now that we have this judgment that the final thing that eventuated on the ground again is like Fort Sumter stuff. Right. And when you when that's what you're talking about, then all these other other things uh, take on new import. And if you're the Department of Justice and you've gone all in and gotten these guys, the top dog marauders on the ground, you can't stop there. You've got to get to the bottom of the right. you know of the story. And that, at a minimum, as you say, that's the Willard War Room and the. They're, they're, I think, yeah, very I mean, much in the sights now. It's been gratifying to watch DOJ roll up these lower level hooligans. Really, and, right? And, yeah. And, you know, just just people who, who you know, were, were terrible human beings that day, but they were never as consequential as, as dealing with the Willard people. They were never as consequential in my mind as getting to the heart of, you know, at some point, we're going to unroll. One of these guys is going to say, I don't want to go to federal prison. And they're going to unwind and say, here's all my screen caps of these messages that you don't have. Here's what I was told in the room by X or Y. I just, I, I feel like, especially because from my understanding, they, Smith did not, he, he's not doing any of these other low level little fish. It's only big fish. Right. It it involves Trump. This is why I loved being a prosecutor. I guess it's, I mean, it's the conservative in a sense, but people do this shit and they'll say, they'll talk trash Mm -hmm. in the public. And now we come in methodically. We get the emails. We get other people to testify and we pin them to a corner and uh uh-uh, Roger Stone, don't try, don't, don't even pretend. Uh Uh-uh. Um, you know, Stuart Rhodes, Enrique Terrio, don't even pretend. And uh-uh, Mark Meadows. And by the way, uh-uh, Donald Trump. This is the system grinding slowly, but grinding fine. <laughs> and coming at the and coming. At the, and you know, it is. It's been so frustrating. The the you know that that law they've they've gotten away with you know not just haven't been on trial, but have said, you know, complete uh, falsehoods. And there ha- we haven't had the system until now that's really grinding fine. And I think it is, you know, I don't want to be too sanguine that everything will be, sure. you know, roses and come up fine, but it is satisfying, just as you say, that it's a really system of, you know, zeroing in, zeroing in and getting at 
the truth. You know, the, uh, the pro- yeah. I, I think that frustration that people have had for years now with Trump is like, he never gets caught. He never get you know, the law never yeah. gets him. It sure feels like the law is knocking at the damn door now. Um, and it, yeah. and like, no, sir, put your pants on. You're coming with us. <laughs> and, 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 and bring all your money. Right. You're going to need it. Yeah. It, it, you know, really it's like, and so many different, I don't think there's a guy in the world who's in such legal peril on so many fronts. I mean, it's just everywhere. It's everywhere in all kinds of ways. Just yesterday, he got held that he's, you know, he can't be, uh, he doesn't have immunity for charges uh, by private people, ACLU, et cetera, right. that he disenfranchised the vote. But E. Jean Carroll last week, mm-hmm. you know, he like a moron, re-defamed her. So now he, he, he has to stand no matter what. The, 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 you know, the New York AG trial, uh, the Trump organization's about to end his, the, I'm sorry, the New York DA, yeah, right, they're thinking right, right. about more charges, but the AG, I misspoke because the AG has this big civil trial and he's looking at a monitor. Oh, and by the way, there are, there are charges in the New York DA could bring that, that aren't subject to the statute right. of limitations because he lived outside New York and was in Florida. That's a beautiful little detail, but it really does feel, you know, you call, you know, Harry Houdini eventually got, there's just, there's right, just everybody. not, there's just too much going on here for him to get out cleanly, not to mention it's it's either um, whether independent or kind of interacting, the legal and social system are little by little eroding the Teflon as well. They're little by little at the margins, yep. and that's all he's ever had. The guy was never over fifty percent anyway. Correct at the margins, eroding you know what the any kind of confidence uh, in him and making him look like the worst thing of all, worse for him than a convict. A loser, a big fat loser. I, I, you know, I don't. I. He's just he. He's in all kinds of hurt. I, 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 you know, it could not happen to a nicer person. I really couldn't. Well, Harry, yeah. thank you so so much for coming on today. Um, we will be talking to you again, I am sure, over the next few months because this shit's going to get wilder and weirder. And you, my friend, are a true expert on these matters. And thank you so, so much for coming on the Enemies List podcast today. Hey, Harry, Thank what? you so much. I hope I hope I didn't too much dominate no, the I'm smart enough to let smart people talk. Hey, Harry, where can people find you on social media? Oh, well, on uh, that's a good question, because who knows what's happening with Twitter, but where they can really find me and where I want them to look is the Talking Feds podcast. And we have our own YouTube channel now. I think this week we've got uh, John Heilman and Robert Costa. We got week in, week out, really great podcasts. Uh, check it out, please, including the Rick Wilson. Yes. Now and again. I, I'm, I'm, and I'm happy to be with you anytime, my friend. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Carry on. Thanks, Thanks. so much. This week's entry on the enemies list is pretty goddamn simple. Once again, it's fucking Elon. Elon, listen, I get it. You really want to try to make a little stir with this whole horseshit Hunter Biden laptop story. I understand it. I would I'd probably want a distraction if I was you too. Because what you did this week, and what you're doing in this broad sort of sense, by reconfiguring Twitter as the alt-right playground again, is pretty clear. You know, you have to take Kanye off because 
He tweets a swastika. But what you also did was reopen the door to Richard Spencer and Andrew Anglin and this entire horde of crypto and neo-Nazis who are back, who are jamming the channels of Twitter with anti-Semitism, with racial arson, and with the kind of hatred that you mistake for free speech. You're a corporate owner. You own a platform. Your platform has now become a place where the folks from 4chan and 8chan, which were these digital ghettos in which they were stuck, in which they could say what they wanted, do what they wanted, and and express the ridiculous and horrifying hatreds of anti-Semitism and Holocaust denial and everything else, Opening the door for them in some way, I get it. You're surrounded by this tech bro mafia that has convinced you that you're the guardian of the First Amendment. Read the fucking Constitution, first off, bro, because you're not. The First Amendment is about government restrictions on speech, broadly speaking. If you think that your investment in Twitter of your own money and the money of the Saudis, who will kill you with a bone saw if you don't pay them back, by the way, um, is... Was was put together in a way that that the greatest high greatest and highest use of that money was to put Andrew Anglin, the publisher of the Daily Stormer, the America's most incendiary and revolting anti-Semitic publication, back on your platform. And there's some social good from that, dude. Everyone knows the Nazis are bad. Everyone knows the Holocaust was real. Everyone knows anti-Semitism is a vile, hideous practice. So we don't need to see his words to understand what and who he is. I don't need to be a cannibal to know that, that eating human flesh is wrong. This is a simple analogy. I hope you can understand it. But as long as you continue to do this, you will continue to make the platform less and less viable you will continue to make the platform more and more hateful. And frankly, you're going to squander the money that you have put into it. And you may not get it back. And there will be ripples. They will come out further and further. They will hit Tesla. They will hit SpaceX. And they will eventually hit you personally. Because this is the kind of thing where you can't be like cutesy, anti-Semitic adjacent. You can't be, oh, yeah, well, I'm empowering hate speech. But, you know, I, I oppose hate speech. That's not the purity test here. That's not how this works. So the fact that you've welcomed back uh, some of the most vile people uh, in this in this country and probably in the world when it comes to anti-Semitism onto the platform, the fact that they were banned, not because they were conservative. They weren't banned. I, Andrew Anglin and Richard Spencer, they weren't banned because they were conservative and that somehow conservative speech doesn't have a platform. They were banned because they're fucking Nazis. They were banned because they say the Holocaust wasn't real. They were banned because the kind of language and rhetoric they use leads to things like the slaughter of Jews in this country and beyond. Elon, you are really working hard to be on my like all-time champ list on the enemies list. But uh, this is a longer one than usual, folks. But I felt I had to say it. And you know, I'm, I'm trying to speak to you directly, Elon, which I think is probably a, a ridiculous assertion on my part. Because you are clearly, like I said, listening to a bunch of tech bro assholes who have convinced you that you control your way into both relevance and profitability on the platform. It's a bad look. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you. This has been The Enemies List. And if you've been enraged or engaged or enlivened by this week's episode, let's do something about it. 
This podcast is part of Resolute Square, a new front in the war to preserve democracy. We were looking for a place to fight back against the MAGA media, and this is it. In addition to this podcast and many others, each week, Resolute Square members will sit down with me and other founders for an intimate meeting of the minds, talking about what's really going on behind the curtain of American politics and analyzing the minds and the motivations of the people that are shaping this country's future, good and bad, along with exclusive analysis and insight from our newsletters, which are anything but conventional wisdom. And yes, we'll also have merch to make the MAGA heads in your life furious and more. Become a partner in this fight at ResoluteSquare.com slash enemies. And folks, if you could like, subscribe, and rate the podcast, I would be enormously grateful. We reached number two in the political podcast listings, and I cannot tell you how grateful and how heartfelt your support has been for this podcast and for these conversations. And we look forward to many, many more. Thanks again.